the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Good morning, People's Baptist Church, and happy Father's Day. And welcome to all who have joined us for this live stream service coming from the sanctuary of People's Baptist Church. This is a church that we have occupied since 1898, after leaving Beacon Hill, where the Mother Church was founded in 1805. And one of the interesting things about um, today is that in 40 years, as uh, the leader here at Peoples, I have not had the opportunity to give a Father's Day message from the pulpit, because the tradition that I found when I came here in 1980 was that the men's fellowship would select a guest preacher so that I would not have to be in the pulpit and I would be able to enjoy Father's Day. So strange things happened with coronavirus. And um, even though I was hoping to continue the tradition and leave it for my successor, I found that uh, the coronavirus uh, required that um, I preach this uh, Father's Day message. The title of the message today is Lessons from the Parable of the Prodigal Son. June 21st is the day we set aside to honor fathers. Father's Day is a day of mixed significance to many people. For some, Father's Day is a problem because their dads were either not there at all or were emotionally absent, abusive, or even worse. Some really don't want to remember Father's Day because it is just a source of pain for them. Now, while Father's Day may not always be everything that we would like, or in fact, we could say, while Father's may not always be everything that ought to be, it is interesting to note that when Jesus wanted to illustrate the love and the nature of God, he chose to have us think of God as our Heavenly Father. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus told them to begin with these words, Our Father, who art in heaven. Probably the best-known parable that Jesus told is the one that we call the parable of the prodigal son. In one way or another, most of us can identify with the prodigal son. 
And maybe that is why we have given it that name, because Jesus did not speak of it as a prodigal son. The point of the story is really more the loving and forgiving and waiting father than it is of the prodigal son. It's about a father who waits and waits until finally his son comes back home. Let me begin with the story of what I may call a modern prodigal. This young man grew up going to church. He had a godly mother who loved him, told him about Jesus, and prayed for him every day. But he rejected his mother's God and left the rural community in which he was raised to seek his fortune in a large city far away. His whole focus was working to build a fortune for himself, and he had no interest at all in God. The faith and prayers of his mother seemed wasted as he pursued only money and possessions. One Sunday, some friends invited him to church, and there he came to see the emptiness and the futility of the life he had been living. As he realized his need, he came back to, to the Christ his mother knew and loved, and he became a Christian. A couple of years after he returned to God, God gave him a vision for a tremendous work that would literally reach millions of young people, college students, for Jesus Christ. The name of this former prodigal is Dr. Bill Bright, the late founder and president of Campus Crusade for Christ. The most famous prodigal son story was told by Jesus in Luke chapter 15. This young man's basic problem was selfishness. His father had great plans for him, but he was not interested in them. The only thing that concerned him was getting what he wanted in life and totally disregarding all other considerations. He knew his father was wealthy and that his estate would be left for him and his older brother. However, he did not want to wait until his father was deceased to get his portion, and so he asked his father to give him his share of the estate now. Listen to Jesus telling the story in verses 11 through 13. Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now this young man got himself as far away from the influence and presence of his father as he possibly could. When he arrived in the foreign country, what did he do? We're told that he wasted all his money in while living. And in verses 14 through 16, Jesus said, About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. 
The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. One day this young man went to the bank and discovered his account was empty. He was broke. It must have been a horrible realization for him. He was now far from home, without any real friends, living among strangers who didn't care and not a cent to his name. The good times he had had spending his daddy's money was now only a memory. Then something worse happened. Famine gripped the country where he was living and hunger and desperation filled the hearts of the people. The young man was in a worse state than most for he had no family or friends to turn to. He needed help financially, medically, physically, socially, and above all spiritually. But there was no one to turn to. The irony of his situation was that he had all the help and love that he could possibly wish for back home. But he didn't want that kind of help. In his heart, there was still a stubborn insistence on going his own way, independent of his father. Because he had no marketable skill, the only work he could get was something no one else wanted to do, to feed pigs. That is the lowest occupation a Jew could be engaged in. What an awful situation to be in. This wealthy man's son, brought up amid good influences and surroundings, is now living in a foreign country like a person who has never seen a decent home or eaten a decent meal. But one day he got to thinking about his father and home and made the best decision of his life. What are the lessons this parable has for us today? The first lesson is that there is the possibility of a new beginning irrespective of our condition or circumstances. No case can be worse than that of this prodigal son. He had touched bottom. He had gone down so low that he could not possibly descend any further. Never has a more hopeless picture been drawn than that of this son in a foreign country amidst pigs, penniless and friendless, desolate and dejected. But even he got a fresh start. Even he was called to make a new beginning. Is there someone listening to me today who is feeling pretty discouraged because so much has gone wrong in your life? Do you feel that you have got yourself into such a situation that you can never get out of it and put yourself right again? Do you feel hopeless about yourself because of some situation with which you are confronted or because of some sin which has mastered you and which you cannot conquer? Perhaps you have said to yourself, what's the use of making any more effort? What's the use of trying again? I've tried many times before, but all to no purpose. I've made a mess of my life. The word of the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone who feels like this is that all is not lost. 
there is still hope. Listen to the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 15.13 as he writes to the Romans about the God of hope. Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God says in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So there is still the possibility of a new start and a new beginning here and now, if we will but come to the Father. But the second lesson is that we must face our situation honestly. It is one thing to be in a bad situation. It is quite another to face it honestly. The prodigal son had been in a thoroughly bad situation for a long time before he truly realized it. And so in verse 17 we read, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. He saw that his troubles were entirely due to his own actions, that he had been a fool and that he should never have left the father's home. He looked at himself and he could scarcely believe what he saw, but he faced his situation honestly. Have you ever done that? Have you really looked at yourself? Look at your hands. Are they clean? Look at your lips. Are they pure? Look at your feet. Where have they led you? How did you ever get into the situation that you're in? It is because you have left the Father's home. Because you have deliberately gone against your conscience because you have deliberately rejected the teachings of your religion, that you are where you are today. Face your situation honestly, and that is the first step on the way back. But the third lesson is that when we turn to God, we can plead nothing before him except his mercy and his compassion. Before the prodigal left home, he was full of self-confidence, Before he left home, he was someone and somebody who could demand his rights. Now he feels he is a nobody and realizes that his first need is to be made into somebody again. Verses 18 and 19 says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. You see, if you feel that you have any right to demand pardon and forgiveness from God, then I assure you, you will not receive it. But if you realize that you have sinned against God, if you cast yourself upon him in his mercy, asking him if in his infinite goodness and kindness he can make something of you, all will be different. We need to own up to our disobedience. The next step, as in the case of the prodigal, is to do something. 
We must get up and leave the far country of sin and go to God and get right with him. How futile it would have been for the prodigal to spend time thinking about what he needed to do and then do nothing. He acted upon his decision by going home to his father and casting himself upon his mercy and compassion. But the final lesson here for today is that when we return to the Father, there is a new beginning and a new start. Verses 22-24. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get the ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. See, when we come to God with our sins and failures, the impossible happens. We discover that in Jesus a real, genuine, new beginning is possible. The greatness of the Father's love in the parable is seen not so much in his attitude as it is in what he did. Observe what the Father did. He did not scold him about the past, but blotted it out. He went to meet his son as if nothing had ever happened. He embraced him and kissed him as if he had always been exemplary in all of his conduct. He commanded his servants to strip off the rags of the far country, put a a new robe on him, sandals on his feet, and a ring on his finger. In this way, the father removed from his son every trace of his sinful past. He alone could forgive. He alone could wipe out what the prodigal had done against the family and himself. And he did so. You see, when we go to God confessing our sins, the first thing he does is to blot out our past. And that is what we desire most of all. We cannot be happy if our past is not dealt with. Even if we no longer commit a particular sin, there is a past and it creates a problem for us. Who can deliver us from our past? Who can erase from the book of our life what we have done already? There is only one person, and his name is Jesus. The world tries to persuade us that we can turn our back on our past and forget it. But we cannot forget it. It keeps on returning, and it makes us miserable. There's only one who can strip it off our back. We only know that our rags are really gone when we see them on the person of Jesus Christ, who wore them in our stead. He bore our iniquity. He covered himself with our sin. He drowned it in the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. Our past is blotted out. But in order to have a new start, something further is required. 
It is not enough that every trace of our past is removed. We must be robed in order to have confidence to start afresh and to face life and its people and its problems. Though the father met his prodigal son and kissed him, that alone would not have given him confidence. He would have known that everyone was looking at his rags. So the father got him new clothes, worthy of a son, and places a ring on his finger. These were external proofs of his status as a son. It is precisely the same with us when we return to God. He not only forgives us and blots out the past, but he makes us his children, called by his name. He clothes us with the, with the robe of Christ's righteousness, puts a signet ring of his love on our finger, and makes us feel we are members of his family. When we become aware of our status, we can face our critics, we can face the world without apology, yes, and face the devil also, and all the power powers that fooled us in the past and ruined our life. Here is an opportunity for a real new beginning. God himself made it possible by sending his son into the world to die for us so that our sins could be forgiven and that we would have eternal life. It does not matter what you have been or what you are like at this very moment. It does not matter how hopeless and helpless your situation seems to be. It does not matter that your life is in a mess and that you don't know how to get yourself out of it. God specializes in miracles. He specializes in putting broken lives together. He specializes in giving us a new beginning. He specializes in forgiving sins and blotting out the past. He specializes in restoring hope and giving us joy. And I'm so thankful today for Jesus, whom I know as my Savior, Redeemer, and Friend. I'm so thankful that he is my rock in a weary land, my shelter in the time of storm, and my bridge over troubled waters. Where nobody else knows, he knows. When nobody else cares, he cares. When nobody else sees, he sees. When nobody else understands, he understands. And when nobody else can, he can. And as the hymn writer says, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for you brought me. Yes, you brought me from a mighty, a mighty long way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.